Hello, people! Welcome to Wave Talks, Fitness for Humans. Today, we're talking about priorities, especially as it is coming up on the holiday season. How do we prepare our health selves for this holiday season? I want to talk about what's most important to you, which is listening to this podcast, to find out how to prioritize. What is most important to you when it comes to getting yourself ready for the holidays? Consider all the aspects. We've got exercise, we've got goals, we've got body image, we've got work, we've got family, we've got mental health, we've got social stuff going on. And all of that is balanced against the pressures of the holidays when everything in a normal world would fall apart. So beyond all of the normal family stuff that we get stuck with, and not stuck with, not to say it's a bad thing, but you know, there's extra pressures that are always put on you around this time. Uh, there's also usually a lot more work pressure that gets put on you too, because it's end of year. There's, you know, sometimes in, depending on what job you're in, there can be extra uh, stressors, whether that's sales goals or closing up accounts or other things that I have no idea what I'm talking about because I've never done any of those types of jobs, but it's things that I think I hear about on movies and TV. You might have that. I don't know. Talk to me about it. But we have all these things that happen that we need to start to think about. And on top of that, you know, we're in a pandemic and things are kind of crazy right now. So today we're going to talk about how to manage those pressures, things that you can start to do to create a better plan for yourself so that you can make it through this holiday season, which might be more difficult than most, with all of the grace and poise that you deserve to get through it with. Check out our last podcast for tips on how to maintain your fitness at home when it feels challenging, if that is one of your priorities, and if you haven't checked out our other podcast yet. Maybe you'll keep going back and listening to our other ones because they are pure gold. So let's move this over to D to talk about nutrition. That was it. That was your segue. Go. That water was really good. That sip of water that I just had, even if it ruined the podcast. <laughs> so Cameron, you're talking about how this is going to be kind of a funky holiday season with COVID, um, which is going to come with a lot of challenges, um, you know, making it harder to meet up with our families and friends and stuff like that. Um, there, There is kind of a bright side to this. If you are a person who is looking at weight loss or weight maintenance, weight management as a goal, um, or someone who gets a little bit stressed out about the thought of being presented with a bunch of different delicious foods. So that's potentially an obstacle that we won't really be facing this holiday season. Um, you know, I think we're all really used to seeing uh, articles going out, posts going out about, uh, you know, how to not gain weight over the holidays. Um, and, you know, if we're having to limit family gatherings and maybe even eliminating them, a big, I mean, that big obstacle just will kind of go away. So, you know, for those of you who are concerned with that, that's one thing that we can look at as a positive. Um, this kind of means that we're not going to be exposed to the same eating prompts and, and temptations as we usually are. Um, but this could be a really good opportunity to kind of explore, um, you know, like how to find joy in eating and taking that fear away of overindulging. Um, and I think Jess can kind of segue into this a little bit more about, you know, what eating is like in the winter season. But 
Um, you know, we're... Why can she... What? <laughs> Jess, you're... Dee, re- what are you trying to say? <laughs> Jess, you're really good at eating in the winter. <laughs> you bet I am. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What I think I was going to say... I think I've lost my train of thought. What was I just saying? Jess was going to talk about... Uh, um, genetics behind eating in the winter but what was i just gonna say uh oh what what i can say lotto, your, your lotto numbers for this week i think what i want to say is that like it's okay to like enjoy indulging in foods and it's okay to see this big spread of food and you know, eat this and eat this and eat this. And then you're really full and you're like, oh my gosh, I ate way more than I usually eat. Like, it's okay to see that that happens. But because that's not always a comfortable feeling, you know, we don't like at the end of a big meal that we just feel super full. And then, you know, I know for me, I'm like low energy for the next couple of days if I've just eaten more food than my body's used to handling. It's important to be able to manage those indulgences. And that's what makes us feel better longer term, right? So some things that we can do when it comes to eating around the holidays is we want to try to control portion size. We want to try to pick nutrient-dense foods, and we want to try to have high volume with low calorie. These are ways that we can indulge and yet still be able to enjoy the holiday season food. So whether or not you're getting together with your family or you know, you're know you eating at home some of the foods that you enjoy on a virtual session with your family, this year, next year, whatever that may be like, you wanna try to make choices that are going to help you feel good about your life, your day, everything longer term. And sometimes it won't be that way. Sometimes you're just gonna overindulge and you're not gonna feel good the next day, but that's your body reminding you like, hey, I didn't really like that. And you want to actually pay attention to those cues, right? We want to pay attention to our cravings and our cues. So don't just ignore those feelings and go to sleep. Live in it. Know that this is what's happening because I overate. Acknowledge it and try to avoid that in the future if you don't like that feeling. Some of the things that you could choose as examples would be air-popped popcorn. That's a really awesome treat that people seem to like during this time of year. Another really good one is, you know, instead of going for the rice mixed with, you know, uh, mushroom sauce or something like that, or the scalloped potatoes, you could try having something more like mashed rutabaga or mashed sweet potato. These are options that are still really delicious and that you get your Christmas craving. We, like Dee said, we really don't want to fear foods. We don't want to feel like we need to punish ourselves for enjoying those foods. So even though you overate one day, that doesn't mean you need to exercise so vigorously the next day to counter that. This is a really dualistic mindset, right? Where, oh, I've done something really bad. Now I need to counteract that with something else. Instead, next day, you continue along with your life and lifestyle in a fabulous manner. Yesterday was yesterday. Today is today. Another thing that you can do to really help you digest and control some of the volume of food that you're intaking is drink more water. A lot of people forget this around the holiday season. It's so easy to drink water in the summer because, you know, you're hot. It, you, you're stimulated to drink water. In the winter, people tend to go for more alcoholic drinks. They tend to go for other types of drinks, sweets, uh, coffee, 
things that feel warm. Instead, drink warm water. You'll actually digest it faster and it'll help you feel full. Also, something like hot teas can really help with soothing and relaxing type sensations so that you don't feel like you need to eat more. And lemon water is really good for invigorating energy instead of having that second coffee or that Bailey's coffee in the middle of the day that so many people seem to like around this time of year. (laughs) And like I mentioned, some people really like to switch to alcohol instead of water. So Cam has some really good tips on ways that we can modify our alcohol intake in order to get the best bang for your buck without having too many of the calories involved with alcoholic drinks. So Cam, why don't you tell me something about that? Um, Bailey's is not alcohol. It is from the pit of hell and possibly shouldn't exist. It's funny because when we talk about alcohol and you talk about consumption trends, most of the time through the summer, people tend to drink lighter, airier drinks like spritzes or like, like vodka sodas and stuff like that. As we transition into winter because of our drive for denser foods, we ironically or not ironically, I guess, go for denser drinks. So my thought on that is actually that you can lean into that. The problem for so many people is that when we are looking for that that density, there's two forms of that density. It's you fill the stomach or you get the feeling from the experience. And what I mean by that is that you can have like six beers and have a full stomach. And that creates a sense of density because now you feel dense. (laughs) But in the same vein, and this might sound counterintuitive, you can also have an ounce of like a decent scotch or a whiskey and not as a shot. I don't know how many of you people are going to listen to this and go like, do a shot of whiskey? No. I mean, like, sit with it. Don't dilute it. Don't put rocks on it. Don't, uh, like, or rocks, uh, like, ice in it. And don't put uh, water in it or anything like that. If you have a whiskey and the whiskey almost has, like, an oily mouthfeel to it. It's got this, like, thicker, richer quality to it. That can be really sating to the desire of having that density you can sit with that you can enjoy that and you can spend time with it so slow it down take the time to really enjoy the experience versus just packing it in until you feel distended and especially don't do that with whiskey because you'll die from there going into like look to the germans like glühwein and um other things that are that are like that that you can make you know, like if you are spending time, you know, at home and you're by yourself or you're with your partner, you can take a bottle of wine and pour in just enough wine to make a cup of Glühwein uh, or like spiced wine or anything like that on your own without needing to use the whole bottle. So you can be in control of those portions. And that's a really nice way to do that. And also to save money because you don't have to use expensive wine if you're going to like heat it up. You can get really seasonal with that, obviously, using what I would consider like chai spices in lighter wines is a really cool way to do that. And then just use the spices, use the herbs versus using sugar. If you go to a slightly sweeter wine, especially in the red wines, you can get that effect of having that little bit of sweetness with the heat because it'll actually take off some of the alcoholic bite. 
and you'll be able to enjoy that sweetness without adding more sugar or honey or maple syrup or whatever the hell people add to glue vines. And that really gets you pretty far through this. Also, darker, like red wines, if you're into wine, darker wines right now are good. Like forget food pairings. If you are just kind of enjoying the wine on its own, go for a darker wine because you'll, again, be able to sit with that. You don't have to kind of power your way through that as much. And then obviously virgin cocktails, same principles apply. Use herbs, use spices. Don't use syrups. Don't use like don't waste your money on that stuff. You don't have to. You can always buy like stevia drops. Stevia drops are cool because if you like something super sweet, you can't do it with stevia. You can only put one drop in and then after that you've ruined whatever you're drinking. So it's pretty much like it gets you used to not having super sweets. When it comes to holiday cravings, it's not usually so much the sweetness that we're craving, but those particular holiday flavors. So like you say, going with like spices and stuff are such a great way to add those flavors that are really comforting without adding the sugar that you don't really need. Right. So like people would call it um, pumpkin spice, but like a lot of that is actually just chai spices. But yeah, like go for your cloves, go for your allspice, go for, you know, cardamom, nutmeg. Cinnamon in itself. Cinnamon brings up the sweetness in most things and actually amplifies flavors in a lot of different other spices as well mm-hmm. so being able to put cinnamon in a drink like for or ex- just eating it on its own that's a weird challenge that existed a long time ago that didn't go well for most of the people who tried it that so was don't like do a that. year ago man like, that was more than a year ago that was like five i think years that's ago. like every couple years every couple years the cinnamon challenge the goes through. we're the not advocating the cinnamon challenge guys please don't do it we're just saying add a little bit of cinnamon to your drink it might help you know if you can get your hands on some kombucha there's like whole sections of kombucha at the grocery stores now a lot of them are getting rid of bottled water and there's great kombuchas there's like ginger kombuchas and stuff like that but do look at the nutritional value on your kombucha because it can be quite high in sugar if you are into you know keeping a scoby alive and making your own power to you but i mean i'm not uh i will go out and buy a couple periodically and you can actually mix kombuchas like cocktails as well like you can utilize and like not with alcohol but as a virgin cocktail you can actually sub uh in some recipes the kombucha and it makes a really interesting twist on certain things so give it a try you know and other than that maybe maybe we'll uh put some cocktail recipes up on social the other the other advocation i was going to say is just in terms of the idea of drinking earlier and drinking with dinner Right. So I'm not a big fan of drinking late into the night. I will drink day drinking. Yeah, exactly. Like I start first thing in the morning uh, and I go until noon and then I <laughs> then I shut it down. Then Cameron, shut it down. Cameron is drunk right now. I am. This uh, is... All we can smell is the glass of whiskey. He's been or nursing. bourbon um, that he's been nursing for the last half hour. Exactly. You know, at an appropriate time, if that's, you know, like around your dinner time, I, I actually try to keep that within a small window. Right. But I mean, in terms of like caloric hit to your entire day, that's actually can be way better than a single beer or, you know, especially if it's a craft beer and it comes in a bomber or a tall boy or whatever those cool people talk about. So moving on from that, let's get into that sleep stuff because, you know, I'm interested in learning how to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, sleep is affected by many things. Some people just have uh, poor sleeping patterns. They have a hard time going to sleep. They could be insomniacs. They could have issues with sleeping if they have children or they have anxiety. But in general, sleep around the holidays can sometimes change. Because your schedule changes with your work life and your home life, you're maybe staying up later, you're maybe not having work in the morning, and this can really mess with your sleep pattern. On top of that, like we mentioned, alcohol can also affect sleep. Sidebar here, one of my more interesting things that I hear from people is when they say that alcohol helps them sleep. Realistically, alcohol maybe helps you fall asleep because you pass out, but it actually disrupts REM cycle. So you might find that during the holiday season when you're drinking more alcohol, that you have a harder time getting good quality sleep. So like Cam said, Making a window where you drink alcohol or having a little bit with dinner but not past dinner can really alter that disruption of REM cycle that can happen with alcohol. So what would we want to try to do regarding sleep to help with everything? We want to really make sure that we keep a good bedtime schedule the best we can. You've done it for your kids if you have kids. It's important for you for the rest of your life. You want to try to have a stable routine when it comes to bedtime schedule because it just sets the tone for your entire day. It's also going to help you have the energy for those workouts, that movement that you want to incorporate, especially because you probably have more time off at this time of year. Why wouldn't you spend more time taking care of yourself and getting that movement and workout in? Especially now that we are going to be home. You might not be spending as much time with your family. Take that time to really value yourself. Another thing that we can do is we want to be better at winding down before bed. We want to clear our mind. A lot of people will sit on their phone in bed or they'll watch TV in bed. Watching a screen really stimulates the mind prior to sleep and can actually affect REM cycle as well. Also with most screens that have the blue light blocking thing, not a good enough excuse. It still winds you up if you're watching something. Sorry. The interesting thing about blue light is that it actually has our brain processing it like it's sunlight. This affects the circadian rhythm, which affects our REM sleep, which is a deep level of sleep like we mentioned. Some things that you can do to help you wind down would be examples that we like to do. Dee really loves to read before bed because it's not a screen and it helps her wind down. Cam really likes to listen to audiobooks because he likes to learn about things before he falls asleep and then he wakes up refreshed with new information in his mind. That I, I, I disagree with that. I listen to garbage books before bed. <laughs> I listen to like fluff before bed. I listen to all of the smart things during the day at night. It's like Star Trek fan fiction all the way. And then I really like to cuddle my pets or I listen to music. Sometimes I'll just put headphones on and listen to music or sometimes I will just listen to music and cuddle them my pets. They go together too. And those things help me calm down. But some other things that we really want to pay attention to around the holiday season is our self-talk and our self-reflection around our actions during the holiday season. A lot of people feel poor about themselves at this time of year, whereas in January they start with these resolutions that they want to fix themselves because they think they've messed up so badly in December. So Dee, do you want to tell us more about self-reflection and self-talk during the holiday season? No. Oh, okay, cool. Okay, bye everybody. (laughs) Just kidding. Yeah, um, and, and, you know, I like that we go into that after sleep because um, part of what I also like to do um, as my wind down thing sometimes, not every day, is 
do journaling. And what that journaling allows me to do is reflect on the day or, you know, whatever is going on in my mind. um, And I can put that down. Um, But where that self-reflection and self-talk come in um, as being really important parts of this are that it lets you just check in with where you're at. So, you know, Jess is talking about um, we tend to be really hard on ourselves um, and have a bit of a negative image of how we look, how we're acting, what we're doing, um, especially at this time of year. So if we're sort of, um, you know, like hearing those thoughts, identifying them, then we can take those and be like, where is that really coming from? Like... Like, do I really deserve to be saying all these things about myself? Like, if I really look in the mirror, you know, is is it as bad as I'm saying? Um, and that that can be a really hard thing to to look at. But if we think about like where these thoughts are coming from, you know, then we can we can push them aside and move on past that and realize that we are more than these negative thoughts we have about ourselves because generally that's what they are. So taking that time to figure out, hmm, like, what does my self-talk like today? Have I said, oh my gosh, I've I've eaten so much. I'm such a pig. I'm such a bad person. I shouldn't have done that. I'm going to have to, you know, do a whole bunch of working out or starve myself tomorrow. I I, I think, like, we've all probably heard this, but I always like to use that um, saying, you know, would you say this to a friend? Like, why is it so hard for us to be so hard? Or why is it so easy for us to be so hard on ourselves when we know that that's wrong, it's so wrong to talk to somebody else like that. So why isn't it just as wrong to talk to ourselves this way? So what I want to come back to is like, we're going to have those thoughts. It's kind of it's kind of what society has done to make us feel that we have all these inadequacies and things we have to work on. So let's, let's name that self-talk and then we can reframe it or redirect our thoughts to different things. Um, I know one thing I've learned from Jess is um, finding one negative, uh, like naming one negative thought or self-talk piece and then finding, um, making an effort to name two positive self-talk things, right? So it's like acknowledging that negative one, but also bringing up two positives. So a a big help in this is, um, you know, learning that there are things we can control and there are things that we cannot control. So one thing I find helpful with self-reflection is learning to accept the things we cannot control. This is very hard to do, but this would be, you know, learning that maybe we can't control how much food is going to be at our aunt's place when we're eating, but we can control uh, what we take from it. Or even if that's really complex, we can control how we, um, how we like, judge ourselves or I should say not judge ourselves we can control that we are making that decision to eat this and that we're not a bad person because of it and that we're going to wake up the next day and move on from this and not let it dictate whether or not we're a good person Uh, what we can also do is practice some like relaxation and mindfulness techniques so like I mentioned before journaling is one of those things for me because um, what I tend to have happen is at night I have like all the thoughts of my day and like the last years of my life uh, coming into me. So just having a journal lets me get them out even if I can't quite make sense. So then just right there when I see them written out, I can start to break them down um, and name them, uh, redirect them, flip them, find uh, positive thoughts that are um, that counter them. So find taking those moments to uh, really look at that and figure out what's going on in your brain to change those thought patterns can be really helpful. Um, Another thing is uh, exercising patience. 
right? Like knowing that if we do realize there are things we want to change about ourselves or improve about ourselves, because it's okay to want to better ourselves in certain ways, but knowing that it's going to take time. It's going to take time for us to see results. It's going to take time for us to form habits. It's going to take time for us to understand that we can be kind to ourselves as we're finding balance in figuring out these new ways of getting these goals that we have. Um, and then a big thing I find that helps with all of these aspects is breathing. So it sounds really simple. It's a lot. It sounds really creepy above everything else. But like breath work can be really effective. For one, it's a great way to actually connect with your nervous system. And a lot of times if we're feeling anxious, if we're cycling through like the same negative thoughts in our head, if we're having cravings that we just can't seem to um, satisfy, often it's our body looking for a way to like reconnect with the nervous system. Breathing is such a great way to do this. It also is very valuable for um, calming our nervous system. So if we get proper breathing where our diaphragm gets to move all the way down, all the way up, um, it's going to actually cue to our nervous system to relax. And we can help you with that if you're unsure of how to do that. It also helps you digest better. Yes. So when in doubt, breathe. Breathe purposefully and mindfully. So in terms of like negative self-talk and, and what have you, the only thing that I would like to add to the wonderful discourse of uh, the lovely d slash diana because she goes by both names because she is concerned that people don't know who we're talking about when we say diana it is d the idea of um working your way out of bad is pretty consistent for most people most people start in this like negative space where they are you know like i guess expecting the cops to break down the door uh you know and arrest you for eating that donut you know back in 2007 or whatever um and not really but we all kind of have that like inner voice that is is the devil on the shoulder where the heck is the angel that's supposed to balance that out right it's funny because you're bringing that up as like a joking exaggeration but it's so valid that you're putting it at such a high like at such a high level of violation because I feel like that is really how we judge ourselves on yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, it is. It, it's really, really fundamental. And I mean, like, uh, not to delve too far into the philosophical aspect of it, but there is credence to the idea that uh, our society of law and order is actually based on the idea that we spend so much time in judgment of ourselves. Um. And not to say that you have to go like full psychopathy with your response to this, but at the same time, you do have to start putting it in context. And as much as, you know, like thinking of yourself as a friend uh, and would you talk to a friend like that, it is worthwhile every once in a while to challenge yourself and actually say to somebody that you trust this is what I just thought about myself, but not for their benefit, for your benefit. So if I say to D, like, D, you know, I just thought, wow, I'm a real fat jerk. Well, it sounds so silly to me when I say that out loud to you. Um, and 
it allows me then to reframe it. So that is a really easy tool. And if you don't have, you know, somebody that you can talk to, say it even into a mirror. Like, I think it was suggested, but like, I mean, it's such a good technique because looking at yourself while you say that, that's another big part of it is when we don't see ourselves, it's so easy to uh, have a lack of context for that self-talk. So And have a lack of empathy for ourselves. True. Absolutely true. Um, so that's a really good momentary little tool that you can use in those moments to get yourself out of those bad places. And with that, we're going to end this podcast so you can go out there and do good by yourself and the people you love or something. No pressure. You can do like mediocre. Like that's fine. We're okay Like with slightly that. good? Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I mean like, that's realistic. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mediocrity. Okay. Wee. I think that might be why we're in a lot of the positions that we're in right now. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. People, we are in love with you. We are so grateful that you support us and we're here. If you need anything, let us know email us, hit us up on social, check out our new TikTok. Uh, It is definitely the height of mediocrity. And we will see you next time.